Ice queens and snowflakes. Contract the molecular structure of mercury. Dust the rooftops with a fractal lace of frost. And let it go. Let it go. Can't hold back any more. Let it go. Let it go. Turn away and slam the door. I don't care what they're going to say. Let the storm rage on. The cold never bothered me anyway. Do you do you feel a draft? Do you feel a draft in here? <laughs> it's time to talk tall to me. Ooh, Stephen Fry has this this little bit that he does where he's like, when old women feel a draft, it's it's like they're being physically assaulted. It's like, ooh, ooh. <laughs> and then he like pulls, I've been assaulted by a draft. Pulls his fake sweater. Uh, bunch Welcome of people in back. Vietnam got assaulted by a draft. Ooh, Welcome back. I am Omen Sade. <laughs> and I am Nick McGill. Together we are Feckless Moms. And this is Talk Tall to Me. An impending vernal season in the north lands of Prague Rock in which northern lights nick and snow showers sade will shiver our way through every frosty track that rock band Jethro Tull ever sent precipitously from the sky of creativity. We will brace against the Barrymore blizzard, stare stunned at the sheer destructive power of microburst Martin, shelter ourselves from the glasscock gust front, all while hoping against hope that we can escape the steely grasp of the Ice Queen himself, Ian Anderson. It's a brisk one for you this week. We are here, first episode of the new year. We have officially been doing Talk Tall to Me for four years. No, surely we've finished our third year and this is the beginning of our fourth year. Well, yeah, that. This This is our fourth year. (laughs) <laughs> Within four calendar years, we have been doing this. Yeah, 19, 20, 21. Yeah, it's the start. Okay, okay. Someone's being pedantic. Someone. Thank you. Is being pedantic. This is the start of our fourth year of Happy Talk January. Talk to me. Happy January, everybody. Happy getting back into Stormwatch. Indeed, yes. After our festivities in the past couple of weeks. With the Jethro Tull Christmas album. Match. We don't have a whole lot we're going to get into lore-wise in terms of the album itself, but we do have some emails. Your emails, sir. And I think, yeah, Mary Marley, if you could come in, please. Mary Marley. Thank you very much, Mary. I'm sorry about all the glitter. That's that. That is a that is a lot. A lot of lot of, lot of glitter. What? What? Uh, do do I do, do? You need? Do you want to tell me something? I had a party while you were gone for New Year's Eve. I knew it. I knew you shouldn't I, have trusted her with the keys. Yeah, I'm so. I, you know what, Mary? I'm proud of you. I'm glad you did that. She's she's getting out of her shell. Yeah. We used your bed. I, oh. I don't I don't want to know anymore. I don't want to know anymore. That's that's unsavory. You didn't notice any glitter in your bed? I I mean not more than usual. I, I, I thought knew, it was just I, the regular yeah. amount of glitter. I knew that's where that was going. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay, so Nick, we have an email here. Yes, we do. From Mark ES. Subject More about Tull in seventy six seventy seven. Dear Feckless Moms, I'm continuing to consume your great show in order, and I'm currently up to Too Old to Rock and Roll. I previously had the wonderful experience of hearing you read my review as Asheresque, his handle at the time, in which I mentioned how much I loved the Wondering Aloud opener at the 1977 Nassau Coliseum show. Now that you're mentioning John Glasscock, I also want to relate that 16-year-old me thought John Glasscock's outfit and stage antics were the best thing I'd ever seen in my young (laughs) concert-going years. I'm not sure what he was wearing, but the impression he made was of a caveman, and he hilariously jerked his bass up and down with the beat. John Evans, in his ice cream suit, was also (laughs) hilarious to watch. 
what a visual experience this band was on stage. Oh my goodness. I don't It's funny that he says that about John Glasscock. I've never heard anything about John being like kind of a pageantry guy. I'm sure like he got into playing and and the crowd I think it was the more music, the, but... the 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 raw expression of his bass playing. Yes. I have seen him do that jerking bass thing though. Oh yeah, the the la- the kind of the up and down. Yeah. Yeah. Mark goes on about too old to rock and roll. Well, well, you quickly mentioned that the album was, in some ways, a nod to the emerging punk rock craze that began in 1975. I do believe that this album's modern, sleek comic style was intended to throw off Tull's hoary image in favor of a leaner, meaner Tull for the punk era. Hmm. I would also suggest a slightly different reading of the old rocker. The term rocker must be considered in light of the split between the mods and rockers of the British 60s music scene, Rockers were older, hairier, greasier, and drove motorbikes. Mods were the progenitors of punk and new wave. I think Ian Anderson was relating a story of rockers being replaced by mods, probably in early 60s Blackpool, as a metaphor for punk coming at self-indulgent rockers in 1976. Interestingly, since this album was a sales dud, uh, relatively speaking... Ian then flipped the script and completely ignored the punk style with the next album and completely out of time songs from the wood. Anyway, just my thoughts, loving the shows and looking forward to more. Well, Mark, thank you so much for your your relation of the 1977 Nassau Coliseum show. We always love hearing people living in the past and relating their tall concert experiences that is truly truly an intoxicant which we cannot get enough of i also think he he brings up a really interesting part about the like the rumors or or the talk about tull maybe kind of leaning toward punk and then i think we talked about that in too old and we mm. we never really elucidated we never really dug into it or really found much beyond that that some critics were like oh they're they're going punk now but I think, right, right. I think he brings up a great point of like, we are so far removed that looking at it, it's like they obviously weren't going punk, but maybe they were. And and he's right. Maybe they did that complete 180 to, to jump into what well, Ian had just gone, moved into the country. So he was obviously inspired there as well. But but right. the the idea that that punk thing just didn't work. So they pulled back on it. And it again, it was one of those... We didn't really mean it. Well, and I think that you can't, I mean, I think it's, you'd be hard pressed to look at Too Old to Rock and Roll and say that, oh, it's a punk album. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think that, you know, I think the the argument is that the sleeker, the new sleek tall was sleekified to be an appropriate competition with punk. But I also think that, who knows? I mean, and maybe that album art wasn't really even... Ian's decision wasn't the band's decision. Maybe that came from management saying, hey, we want to change up the look for this album cover. Oh, who knows? We we really, I we know, certainly, we don't. That's kind of a question that has always, I think we've we've hit on it in, in various iterations, but like whose decision ultimately led to to this and this creative end result. Right. You know, it and because Ian is is clearly like, really the idea man for a lot of stuff going on the the band has their input but it seems like ian has kind of the overall this is how i want it to look but how much say does he have or or did he have back then when it comes to like what the the record company can say you know and maybe it's not even so cut and dry i mean obviously exactly. the, the relationship between anderson and terry ellis was it continues to be quite close Maybe it was a, maybe it was a, an idea, you know, maybe it was a scenario where Ian said, oh, you know, I'm kind of inspired by cartoons, by, by the cartoon world. Right. The, the strip cartoon. Yeah. And Ellis was like, oh, great. We can use that to kind of change the image and make it, you know, stand out visually with the other albums that are getting sold at the time. Yeah. We'll add that onto the, the, the list of questions that when we sit down with Ian for a weekend at his estate, and and he he makes us cook a van. He barbecues us slowly. <laughs> yeah, before we start screaming, we'll ask that question. Nick, I think it's time for you to 
put a little extra sauce on your buttocks. They seem to be getting dry. He's yeah. He's not even basting us. We have to sauce ourselves. No, we're self we're self saucing. Yeah. Like self- putting. <laughs> I I've self sauced many times. Nick, what else do we have before we jump into the song? Before we jump into the song at hand, we have an email pertaining to this song, which is. Something's on the move. It is track one off of side B, also track six if you're on the CD. I would not recommend flipping the sides of CDs. Doesn't mm. doesn't work. This mm. is from Joe H. I believe Joe is a new writer in her. I believe. Oh. What is and he, he actually wrote this to us in September. I I thought you were going to say in Latin. In Latin by hand. He sent it on a crow. (laughs) Came in mid-September in anticipation of this song. Oh, how exciting. He says, hi, guys. I know I am early, but I have been excited to write this message for more than a year. Something's on the move is a reference to an Arthur C. Clarke short story called The Forgotten Enemy. Since I am somewhat, okay, significantly older than both of you, I grew up without the internet. I remember listening to this song and getting the image of the glacier in the line like a needle in a groove, but never understanding the rest of the story. It was years after I had heard it, when I was rereading the works of Arthur C. Clarke, when I finally got the references. I would encourage you to read The Forgotten Enemy before your broadcast about this song, which I did. It's a short story. It's actually really good. This song was supposed to be the big hit from this album. I do remember it was on a friend's compilation of hits album. That used to be pretty common in the late 70s and early 80s and would often be advertised on TV. Anyway, Stormwatch is my favorite Tull album. It was the first Tull album I sort of owned. I had borrowed my sisters, and in the shuffle of my siblings and I moving out of our parents' house 35 years ago, somehow it is still in my record collection. It still has her name on it. Sorry, sis. Thanks, guys, for doing what you do. Keep up the great work. Joseph Raleigh, North Carolina. Wow, that is a very pertinent piece of information. Yeah, it's a really, really cool story it's it's super quick i read it in one sitting and i'm a very slow reader so that tells you a lot i would recommend all of you going out there and and reading it it's it's it it fits in and we'll i'll I'll talk about it a little bit more once we get into the song itself but the song itself is something's on the move it was recorded in august of 78 the fourth take of this song became the master And it is a lot of little ideas that are stuck together to give the theme of change, Mm. all all sorts of change. This was part of the grander August-September 78 sessions, which yielded A Stitch in Time, Something's on the Move, Broadford Bazaar, and Man of God. They were all noted in Dee's journal as Ian Anderson projects rather than Tull. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. I love A Stitch in Time. It's it's really good. It's one really of my good. favorites. Just a note about Arthur C. Clarke. Sorry, Sir Arthur C. Clarke. He co-wrote the screenplay for 2001 A Space Odyssey. Cool. And his, his Wikipedia page lists him as a English science fiction writer, science writer, futurist, inventor, undersea explorer, and television series host. He's got it all. He's he's a, a renaissance man. What could what more could you want? I mean, that's that's one hell of a, a business card. Yeah, you got to flip over to the back to get all that in. He's got a Mobius strip business card. <laughs> just just yeah. keep re- just keep reading it and reading it. <laughs> Nick, shall we jump into the song of the day? Yes, Omen. Let us jump into that song. That song that is something's on the move. There it is. <laughs> Whoa! The rocker of the album. A hell of a way to start side two. Yeah. I, I mean, I mean, if this was intended to be the the big hit of the album, I can I can see I can see why. I get it. I totally get it. Yeah. I wonder if this is a 
this is one of those instances where where Terry said, "Hey, make sure there's there's a rocker on this album." And Could have been. It was like a, a spiteful a spiteful one for Ian, but but it's darn good. Just like all, all the other ones that are like, now we need a single. Don't forget. It could have been that, or it could have just been, you know, when they sat down and looked at all the material they had, that this is that, you know, that this was the one that was deemed to be the most accessible and, and the more, and you know, that they were going to, that they were predicting was going to be the most popular. Yeah. But I, I don't know. Sonically, it just, it doesn't quite fit. Like this should be a bonus track. This doesn't quite fit in Stormwatch, you know? I agree with you that it seems a little out of place tonally with the rest of the album. I feel like it it reminds me a little bit of some of the later albums, actually. It has a little bit of a flavor of Steel Monkey, almost. Oh, interesting. Or, or Crest of a Knave. If, if it were a little more synthy. If, yeah, if they yeah, put, yeah. If they put, I get it. I totally get that. Swap in synth, synth drums. You know, yeah, I see that. But there is something, I mean, so delightful about this song. I love that. I I love the accessibility of the music. It really is, you know, straight out of the gate, heavy electric guitar. Yeah. Heavy bass and drums. Yep. It drives forward. The flute is at its most rock, you know, most rock and roll flute that we really get. Yeah. And it's it's also very, very metal ripping Martin in there too. That, oh, that guitar yeah, yeah, yeah. is. This is, pro- I think, thus far on the album, the most Martin that we get. The most Martin so. per capita that we get on a song. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The most Martin per measure. It's a high. It's a high percentage rate of Martin. Yeah. It's yeah, yeah. It's a it's a high octane Martin. It cleans your engine while it also gives you better fuel efficiency. And but it, it you you don't lose out on the power. That's the beauty of it. No, 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 no. It is more expensive, but it's worth it. It's worth every penny, without a doubt. It's, <laughs> you know what it reminds me a little bit of, Nick. And forgive me for saying this. Oh dear, what is it? It reminds me a little bit of "Immigrant Song" by oh, Zeppelin. Oh, okay. I don't hate it. Just in the in the construction of it. Yeah. I mean, obviously there are lots of differences, but in that in in the kind of way that it drives forward. Yep. Yep. It's it's an electronic dun, 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 dun. charge. Yeah. I want to see the mashup of the song. Nick? DJ Nick. Can you mash up these songs, please? I will I will do my best. I Look forward to hearing it. And I apologize to everyone because my best is going to be put in right here. Ooh, Nick, that really was your best. That was my best, everyone. <laughs> Take that as you will. Take that, girl talk. <laughs> Do you know girl talk? No, you've 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 referenced them before. Oh yeah, but big ma- big mashup DJ. I really really enjoy his work. I that doesn't surprise me. No. Yeah, yeah. The bass in this is lovely. It's it's Mr. Ian Anderson on the bass. It is Ian. Yeah, 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 yeah. It is, and it's very spirited. It's very musical. Everything is is super ripping. Nothing really takes the back burner on this song. And gosh darn it, it's like everybody's a powerhouse. There's not a ton. I would say that the piano and organ are a little less forward on this song than they have been on other songs. When you think about the rest of this album, you're saying? Yes, yes. Yeah, well, I think that's also by virtue of the fact that Martin was pulled back in those earlier songs, so the piano was able to come forward. So it is a it is a kind of a balancing. Yeah, I don't want to say issue, but it it is a level of balance there. But I do still hear it. I mean, I think there's some some really cool organ sound. Mm, the, yeah, like no, the, you're the, right. the wow kind of thing. This song is firing on all cylinders. It really is. It really, really is. After having read that fact that this was supposed to be the hit, like it, everything about this song makes sense now. Was this song not the hit? 
is there a, is there a song off this album that was you know is there when you think of this album what's the song that you're like oh yeah this is the song of the album yeah right right this orion maybe or home flying dutchman i think gets gets more more credit mm. even dunringill yeah I think something's on the move is kind of on the lower echelons of of this album for most people. I love this song. I this is one of my favorite songs. It's such a ripper on this album. But the rest of the album is also really damn good. Yeah. I mean, I really I really enjoy I feel like we say this every time. I really enjoy this album. Uh-huh. And I really enjoy this song. I do think that this is a little bit more straight ahead and a little bit you know, you can draw a comparison, even if it's a not a great comparison. You can draw a comparison between this and Immigrant Song by Led Zeppelin. You can't draw a comparison between, I mean, it's, you know, there's nothing like Flying Dutchman. I'm sure there is something like Flying Dutchman. But what I mean is this song is a bit more straight ahead, a bit more in the style of the other rock bands that were playing at the time. Whereas, whereas right, yeah, Orion and everything else on this album is 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 much more distinctly like only Tull is could make that sound whereas this song is a little bit more you could almost imagine another band covering this song yeah 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 and that's that's where i feel that this is this feels more like bonus track fodder you know that it's like it's adjacent it's sound adjacent you listen to it and you're like okay yeah yeah it, it came from that era i see that i i i get the sound but it certainly doesn't quite fit in Mm. It's like like all of those bonus tracks from Heavy Horses. Like I hear it. I know it came from around then, but I couldn't see it on Heavy Horses. However, it is a great way to start out side B of any album. Absolutely. Any album would be lucky to have this as their side B starter. Yeah. Put it on Bible Stories for Children as the, the starter of side <laughs> B. And boy, it, it would really... Bible Stories for Children, the record? Yeah, that one. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Could be a cassette. Thank you. Oh, okay, sure, yeah. <laughs> or even an eight track. Yeah. You would be the kind of person who if you worked at a at a music distribution company, you would you'd be slipping rock songs onto the uh Bible stories for children cassettes. And you know what? I'd be doing God's work. You would be. You would be. <laughs> Tis better What's the phrase? Tis better to hear tall at church. At church than to not hear tall at all. That's what they say. That's it, yeah. I like to no, never mind. That was dumb. <laughs> Do you remember in uh, in Fight Club where the guy he splices in single frames of porn oh, into yeah. children's movies? Yep, yep, yep. You'd be the one splicing in single measures of tall into into children's stories. Children crying, running to their parents. Yeah, <laughs> running to their parents saying, "Buy me an album." They've been made uncomfortable, but they don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> so, Nick, anything else musically? No, no, I think it's it's fairly straightforward. It's a, it's a straightforward rocker. There's nothing terribly out of the ordinary. There's no instrumentation that comes up out of the blue. It's 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 what you get from the start and it's what you get at the end. It's all great. I will point out a couple of things. Uh the <laughs> now that you've made me think of them. The contrast musically between the verse and the chorus is really delightful. Is that a key change? I think it's a change of mm, something. Perspective. No, it's not a key change, but it might be. I don't... It gets lighter, and I think that's one of the reasons that I love this chorus so much. This is, for any number of reasons, this is one of my all-time favorite choruses in in all of Tull. It's not a key change in the sense of, okay, now we're going to move everything up a half step. Okay. But I think it is a key change in the sense that, okay, now we're going to play with a slightly different set of chords that are complementary, okay. but not, you know, divergent from. Yeah, maybe a, maybe a little bit lighter, but they're still like, they still fit in the same set. When we are reincarnated, Nick, as ourselves. Because we are currently at a perfect being. Is that what, you, is that what you're saying? 
that's that's the goal. Yeah. Okay. okay. Then next time we do this life, I am going to make sure to take some music theory classes. Yeah. yeah before yeah. we do the podcast. And I will dedicate my whole life to Rush. Okay. Instead, instead of Jethro Tull. <laughs> great. I can't wait. Yeah, no, it's going to be great. Every, everyone reincarnate. Rap reincarnated Rush with me. There's also a lovely part toward the end where there's that slight moment of suspension. Yep. And then it slams back down into it. It's it's atypically short. Yeah. For a tall song, that kind of that kind of step back for perspective. That moment in other songs is is usually more developed, but it still is effective in this case. It's the proto-pseudo ending. It's the early version of that. It doesn't quite do it all the way, but you can see where it comes from. Yes. It's the post-proto-pseudo ending. It's a sumo ending. It's a sumo ending. Yeah. He goes on one foot for a minute and then he, he slams it down. Blasts the other guy yeah. out of the uh, out of the ring. And the power comes from his flute. Yes. Nick. <laughs> Omen. Shall we talk about the lyrics? Let us. The story of the forgotten enemy is I'm gonna I'm just gonna tell it to you, folks. If hey you... Nick Nick, Nick, I'm having trouble sleeping. Will you tuck me in and tell me a story? Gather around, children. It's time for story time with Nick. I'd like a glass of water. Shut up and listen. It's okay. the first time <laughs> it's the first time we've had me doing a story time. So it focuses on a single, I think he's a scientist. He it's is clearly this post-apocalyptic world. It is winter. It is cold. He wakes up in the morning and he does what he always does. He goes out and he's in London, this this deserted London. Right. He goes out to scavenge for food and for batteries. Oh, wow. Batteries for his radio. The whole, like, the the climate has shifted, right? Everything is... It's like the new ice age. England is now in an Arctic climate. Yeah. Yep. And he goes out and he th- he thinks he thought of a space where there could have been more batteries because his, his radio is dying. Mm. So he goes out and he goes down downtown or whatever. And he goes... As he, like, comes out of an alley, he notices a big white blur coming from, like, down the road or something. And it's a polar bear. Oh, no. And it chases him down the road and he gets into a storefront or whatever. And, and he hides and he successfully successfully evades the polar bear. It's, it's this tense moment. And the polar bear goes away and he loses his backpack for a moment. He gets it back. And he steps out and he, he looks down the road to where the the direction that the polar bear was coming from and it's a wall of ice. It's mm. a glacier just slowly making its way through London. Wow. Yeah. And that's it. That's it. Like the the big the big ending is like, "Oh, the glacier's here." So the the forgotten enemy is is the glacier in a way. Is yeah, I think so. I think it's a, a matter of cyclical time and the the glacier and climate and it's it could right. be any number of things and I think the the polar bear is is the remembered enemy and the glacier <laughs> is is the forgotten enemy. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I remembered a polar bear. Oh no. Oh. Yeah. Well, fantastic. And it was published in 1949 in the New World's magazine, so it could have been. Could have been read by Ian as a as a kid or as a oh, young sure. adult. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We know he likes spy thrillers, but you know, like what what else is he picking up? He he has a connection to this because it's London. He could have picked this up in in a in a dime store. You know, I, I'm sure Arthur C. Clarke had handfuls of like collected works that you get for super cheap paperback. You know, so well, sure. And I mean, Arthur C. Clarke was a a big science fiction writer. You know of of our last century, you know, he and sure. uh, Asimov were were really, you know, some of the real big heavy hitters of the science fiction world. True. Very true. Yeah. Going to the overarching idea of these lyrics is glacier. Yeah. And some of that, I mean, some of that is very clearly represented in the lyrics. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Capturing black pieces in glass-fronted museum, the white queen rolls on the chessboard of the dawn. Squeezing through the valleys, pausing briefly in the quarries, the ice mother mates and a new age is born. Capturing black pieces in a glass-fronted museum, the white queen rolls on the chessboard of the dawn. Squeezing through the valleys, pausing briefly in the quarries, the ice mother mates and a new is quarries like corridors? Is that what that is? No, I looked it up. A quarry is a Scottish word for ah. a a thin hollow in, in a mountain. Oh. Like we would, in the States, you, you might call it a holler. Yeah, okay. A valley. Yeah. It's the end of the valley that goes way back up into the mountain. Which is caused by glaciers coming down. And it's where the cold lingers the longest if you go yeah. into the mountains. You know, in the spring, that's the kind of spot because it's the most shaded. It's where snow is going to linger the longest. The moisture, the condensation collects there because right. it, do- it doesn't burn off. Right. That's where you see uh, mist flowing down yep. f- from the mountains from those spots. Yeah. And just getting into the idea of, of glaciers moving in. I mean, you can see evidence of the movement of glaciers over the Ice Age through all of North America, upstate New York alone. All the, the rolling drumlins sure, and the hills sure. and, and the finger lakes. It's it's when yeah, a, yes. a glacier comes down, as it moves slowly down, it picks up these massive, massive chunks of stone and they dig out furrows yeah. or they leave them dropped in places. Well, and even on a micro level, there are places where if, if you have a big flat bedrock, uh-huh. you can see striations of, you know, where a little pebble was slowly ground along in a straight line on the bedrock. And so you see this little, a scratch, it looks like. Yeah. Glaciers are very powerful things. Yeah, that's so cool. That's so So, cool. I mean, another very clear representation of this is driving all before her, unstoppable, unstraining, her cold creaking mass follows reindeer down. Thin spreading fingers seek to embrace the still warm bundles that huddle on the doorsteps of a white London town. Driving all before her, unstoppable, unstraining, I mean, that's a that seems to be the the clearest kind of direct adaptation of the of the short story. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That there is still human life while this is happening. It is, yes, but it barely. Is <laughs> and you see barely, the coal yeah. being wrapped around it. Oh yeah, it's. The personification of this glacier, mm. it's a she, it's a she, and she is doing this. She is, this is climate change to the opposite of what we see. This is a, a natural climate change. It's the cycle of the earth where an ice age comes in. And w- while the, the cold moves its way toward the equator, on the tail of that encroachment is when we see the, the glaciers coming in. Right. is because they can survive and they can, in fact, grow. And that's growth. It's not yeah, necessarily momentum. moving, yeah. Well, and I think that I, 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 if I might be mistaken, but I think that in this short story, the Earth has hit some kind of celestial dust cloud or something like that that's caused yeah. this to happen. So it's. I think you might be right, yeah. But I mean, I love the idea of the fa- you know the fact that it's gotten too cold up north for the reindeer, and so they've come south, right, to to England. Same thing with the polar bear in the story. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nick. Yeah. Oh. Have you ever eaten reindeer? I don't think so. Of all the weird things I've eaten, I don't think I've eaten reindeer. I think we <laughs> considered it when we went to, uh, when every time we go to buy weird exotic meat for our, our camping trips. From the exotic meat place? From the exotic, from Scriba Meats in Scriba, New York. This episode brought to you by Scriba Meats. Have you got a weird meat? Have you got a weird meat fetish? We've got the meat for your weird meat fetish. By Johnson and Johnson. By Johnson and Johnson. I had the a wonderful opportunity to eat reindeer in Norway, and I highly recommend it. It's a delicious. Is it venisony? It's venisony, but yeah. it's a little nuttier and sweeter. Ooh, nice. Okay, it's lovely. Interesting. Have you ever had beaver before? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, I've never eaten the animal known as beaver. But I've heard that their tails are full of fat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I've heard that. I, I listened to a program with, where Anthony Bourdain was was eating beaver, and it made me interested. Rest his soul. Rest his brilliant 
brilliant soul. Yeah. So I think that this song we can divide into three different parts. Okay. On the one hand, we have the the lyrics that we've talked about, which are, you know, the the, the more kind of direct adaptation of this short story, you know, describing the glacier. Yes. The other part that we have is the chorus, which I want to come back to in a moment. Uh But the third part, which is actually first, is the, what you hinted at, the personification of the cold and the personification of this, this deadly new winter. Yeah. As in the first verse, she wore a black tiara, rare gems upon her fingers, and she came from distant waters where northern lights explode to celebrate the dawning of the new wastes of winter gathering royal momentum on the icy road. She wore a black tiara, red gems upon her fingers. She came from distant waters when northern nights explode to celebrate the dawning of the new wastes of winter gathering royal momentum on the icy road. Obviously, we have the glacier aspect in there, but it's really personified to a degree that doesn't seem to be in the short story. Yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It is. This is the character and and we're like one sentence or one vague phrase away from it sounding like like this is intentional, like this is choosing to do this. Oh, indeed. But he doesn't quite get there. He doesn't. But he he certainly makes it seem like there is an entity beyond it just being a wall of ice. Well, and, you know, there is a cultural precedent for that exact kind of personification of cold and winter as a queen. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Hans Christian Andersen's The Snow Queen, or in Danish, Snedrodigen. Snedrodigen. Is a a personification of of winter and and the cold and the ice. And, and of course, C.S. Lewis has the, the Winter Queen as a character in the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Sure. Also called Schnedrodigan, oddly enough. Also called Schnedrodigan. Huh. <laughs> the Lions of Itch and the Schnedrodigan. <laughs> and of course, you know, in those stories, she is personified as being a, a queen whose heart is ice. Yeah. You know, and so it's not so much a literal or naturalistic interpretation or personification. It's more a a moral personification of... yeah. A- allegorical evil and uncaringness yeah it's it's the the heavy the ham-fisted allegory that is c.s lewis yeah yes now with more ham <laughs> double fist the ham i like the second line and she came from distant waters where northern lights explode she came from distant waters when northern lights explode mm. it's it's just just a nice nice visual there Super boring Velvet Mondegreen here. <laughs> Is it a bear? Is he shaking his hair? Is it Velvet Mondegreen? She wore a black tiara, rare gems upon her fingers. I always thought he said red gems. Because I, the black and red, he sounds like he's saying red. So black and red, it made sense to hear the two colors there. Yeah. Doesn't change anything in the song. I like rare better, honestly. Oh yeah, because yeah, the cold encroaching from the poles, the the glacier coming down from the poles, will be bringing things that have not seen the light of day. Will be bringing things that are are rare, whether it's things polar frozen bears. in the ice or polar bears or reindeer or the rocks getting cracked open and literal gems coming out. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Why do you think? That we want to personify winter and glaciers as as ladies, Nick. Oh, I thought you were, you were going to ask why we want to personify it at all. No, I don't. I don't have. I'm too sober for that question. I actually have an answer for that one. We want to personify anything that is a th- anything because it's easier to handle psychologically. Oh, sure. Yeah. Giving yeah. It, no, I giving agree. it personality. I think personifying things that are, are cold or da- cold and dangerous, I, I think it is. I think it is that, that old old sexist trope of a woman who done spurned you wrong is, is an ice queen, is, is, mm. is cold and, and heartless. Hmm. Yeah. 
Do you disagree? No, I mean, I guess there's also the, you know, we also just were talking about Jack Frost. So I suppose there's also the the male ice equivalent, you know, the, the, the male ice figure. But he's like... He's just kind of like a pixie, though. He's Robin. He's like Goodfellow. normal cold. He's, yeah, yeah. He's not. He's he's not to the. He's not hypothermic. <laughs> he's not going to kill you. Yeah, 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 yeah. He might mean that you have to jumpstart your car. Ex- exactly. It's an inconvenience, but it's it's less of an inconvenience than losing a finger, or an entire city, or an entire city for that matter. Yeah. Yeah. Nick, let's talk about the third part of the song as we have divided it up now now let's be clear you're the one who divided it omen so if anyone has any angry letters let's talk about the third part that you and i decided together (laughs) it's mostly your idea to divide it into thirds but let's talk about the chorus oh sunshine take me now away from here i'm a needle on a spiral in a groove and the turntable spins as the last waltz begins and the weatherman says something's on the move backtrack a bit and, and and get musically back it up oh yeah mm-hmm. this this music i think some of at least half of the reason that i really love this this chorus is is musically is is that there's there's like a uh there's a climb and then a descent in terms of 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 how he sings the whole chorus yeah yeah okay you got it okay i was physicalizing it i i it just i don't know i just like the the sound of that it feels like a mountain. It feels like a, a descent. Oh, yeah. There's a fun grammatical switch in the chorus as well, whereas in the verses, he's the singer is saying she did this and describing... Right, yeah. You know, external things, Titanic breaking children lost in melting crystal tears, you know, describing the scene. Titanic breaking children lost in melting crystal In the chorus, the singer switches to supplication from a first point of view. First person, first person, yeah. Point of view. Oh, sunshine, take me now away from here. Yeah, it's it's like he's. I'm describing writing, all this stuff. He he's writing in his diary. He's he's keeping mm. track of the as the glacier moves in this new world. It's 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 his only only connection to keeping himself sane because everybody else is is out of London. So he's just writing to himself in diaries mm. he's, in case someone finds it, you know, and and needs to know what happened. And then there there are these moments where writing it is too much and experiencing is too much. And he, he just gets desperate and he looks up into the sky and, and yeah, there's, there's a sense of helplessness and hopelessness. So Nick, without the benefit of Joseph H's bone that he threw us, Uh which was, you know, alerting us to the fact that this, this is based on the short story without that benefit, I would have said that this was about winter in general and the change to winter. Yes. And it still works is the brilliant thing. Like, even if you don't know what this, you know, the origin of of the material, this could totally describe the feeling of an impending winter in upstate New York. Yeah. When you, you know, when you have that physical realization that like, oh yeah, you knew it's going to get cold, but like now, you know, it's really going to get cold. Yeah. And that moment, I mean, I remember moments in January, February, when you have that one little ray of sunlight that comes in and you feel that that thin warmth hitting you and you do, I mean, I, you do just want to like travel up that sunbeam and go away to somewhere <laughs> where it's not so freaking cold. Just ascend into the heavens. Yeah. And you know, and, and in that context, the, the reindeer could be maybe more metaphorical, but also right, yeah. reindeer do migrate North and South mm-hmm. in the areas that they typically inhabit. Yeah. It's, it's, it certainly smacks of winter is coming a la game of Thrones yeah, but but also winter is coming. But also winter la, is coming. As we go county, a la goddamn lake effect. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's difficult. It's difficult not to see the glacier in this. Because mm. it's so big. Because it's so big. I mean, it's it's right there. But so I'm trying to I'm trying to think of pre having read that story and and Joseph to- having told us that it was about that. But I I mean. Even the ice mother mates and a new age is born. The ice mother mates and a new age is born. 
winter. That's definitely like that could be sure. tied to winter. Driving all before her, unstoppable, unstraining. Her cold, creaking mass follows reindeer down. Driving all before her, unstoppable, unstraining. Her cold, creaking mass follows reindeer down. Creaking mass, that's like really the closest thing that we get to be like, like this, is, this is a glacier, for sure. Mm. But that could also be like flowery language for winter as well. Yes. So it's, I, I definitely, it, it can be taken more metaphorically, like you're saying. Yeah. And, and what do you make of I'm a needle in a spiral in a groove? I'm a needle in a spiral in a groove. The, the kind of record metaphor. Right, right, right. That feels like the inevitability. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the spiral in the groove, that's the turning of the seasons. You know, you just ride it out, essentially. Oh, you're you're in the winter groove now. Hang on tight. We'll get through it. Right. But there's also because it's a record, it's spiraling toward an end. True. Very true. Yeah. It's it's slowly working its way in. Yeah. So there's nothing you can do to avoid. If you're the needle in the groove, you, you, there's nothing you can do. You're right. going to arrive at the end. It's inevitable. Yeah. I, as you said. And and you're along for the ride of whatever the groove is going to do. Sure. Right. Yeah, and and you can even even get like really deep into it and say that y- you can even get into the the content of the songs as you're moving in through a record. Like songs will change, seasons will change. Oh no, the drum solo's oh. coming up. The idea of this song being crazy and heavy and electric on the outskirts of this album, you know, but you're in that groove, you're going through. And then after this, we get into Old Ghosts, which slows down a little bit. Then we get into Don Ringel and Flying Dutchman, which really slow down. You just broke my brain. The concept that, you know, you could persuade your listener to become the needle. Whoa. Ooh, I just got shivers. I mean, you don't. I don't think you even need to persuade them. I think it's a matter of it's an unspoken, subconsciously understood contract of you are going on this journey with me. You you can't do this with MP3. You can't even do it with with CDs because you could pause a CD. Mm. You know, it's you can it's pause a record. It's all or nothing with a record. You can pause it. How do you pause a record? You stop the record from spinning, and it goes, and then you. Press, and then you make it spin again and it goes it's not quite the same it's not the same it's not the same <laughs> i agree i agree ah it's interesting it's interesting so ian is the glacier here and we're the needle i see a lot of opportunities for kind of parallel metaphor and and mirrored allegory speaking of mirrored allegory i was just going to say the needle in the groove could also be the rock caught under the glacier, which is scraping out the groove underneath it. Absolutely. The quarry. Yeah. Yeah. I am but a pebble underneath the glacier of time, scratching out my little groove in the bedrock of life. I'm going to carve that into your headstone with a pebble. I would rather that you carved, call me Mr. Flintstone, because I'm going to make your bed rock. <sighs> I'll ask Katie how she feels about that. Oh, no, please don't. Oh, the heavy sighs. That's the song by Young Money, by the way. Oh, okay. What's the name of the song? Bedrock. Oh, Bedrock. Okay. It's Young Money and Lil Lil Wayne. Oh, Natch. Is it Young Money featuring Lil Wayne? No, it's both of them. Oh, nice. That's 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 refreshing. Call me Mr. Flintstone. I can make your bed rock. 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 Music video is a lot of fun as well. I I believe it. I I'm sure you do, Nick. Anything else to say about something's on the move? No, I dig it. I rock it. I glacier it. And I will continue to listen to this song because I really like it. 
I think that putting it into the context of the, the album, it's interesting that we have both real and science fictional climate disasters or cataclysms represented on this album. Oh, yeah. Right. You know, it's really uh, it's really the whole gamut of of you know, everything from the 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 North Sea oil being mined to to the end of the fishing era. This is the only one that's like natural. Everything else is man-made in one form or another, right? Like the destruction of the environment thanks to the oil industry or or whatever. Yeah, I I think you're right. But but it's just interesting that you know this is this kind of throws into relief everything else because it it's the same concept. It's the same kind of like the environment is changing. Uh-huh. It's like from a totally different perspective. I think that's really fun. And I was gonna say that it's it's two sides of they're, they're two separate coins here because it's it's the man made destroying all of these things and and causing climate change to to heat up the 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 climate to heat up and everything. Whereas this is kind of the natural where it's cooling down. However, I mean, maybe if you really want to go out on a limb that it oh. is not necessary at all, which we do. Yeah. Is that this happens after most of humanity has died off and is no longer putting out all that carbon. And and nature has the opportunity to kind of reestablish a footing. I think that's a fun approach. But I think that the source material indicates that it's... 1,000%, yeah. It is a, a celestial... Oh, yeah, if we're talking about that, the the story, yeah. 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 But yeah, why not? I mean, why not? I mean, why not relate this to... Ah, oh, shoot. What's the song that we were talking about that was kind of the Ragnarok? Oh, Old Aces Die Hard. Oh, yeah. And we could relate this to Old Aces Die Hard. This, I mean, this could totally be a moment from the old aces epic. Right. I mean, as far as we know, the, the ideas, the ideas that went into old aces were, were brewing in Ian's head for years and years and years. So there's no reason that when he recorded old aces, it's like, okay, they're out time to move on. You know, there's, they're still there. What other rock band can serve you? Ancient pagan religion, science fiction, Memories of Blackpool. Russian spy thrill. Russian spy thriller. A song about a cat. I mean, everything. Yeah. Yeah. 13-year-old prodigies writing newspaper articles. Yeah. Yeah. The Red Hot Chili Peppers don't give you that. That's a fact. I will stand behind that. That is a fact. What are we talking about in seven days? In half of a fortnight, come on back, because we are discussing old ghosts. Old ghosts next week. In the meantime, do me a favor and stop the halt of the, the cold in my heart. And head on over to patreon.com slash talk tall to me. Buy some merch. Warm yourself up with a sweatshirt with talk tall to me on there. And yeah. and you know what? Let us know if you want more designs. Cause I've I've got a couple ideas for designs kicking around in my head. If you go over to the 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 merch store and which you can also find the link to in the show notes. If you go over to the merch store and you say, you know what, I, I want Talk tall to me merch, but nothing's jumping out at me. Let me know. Let me yeah. know. I'll, I'll make something new. I'll put it up you there. You want socks? We'll get you socks. I mean, I can't do that. It's really just the design. Okay. <laughs> 
All you need to scavenge for in your icy loneliness in order to connect to the rest of humanity is some batteries. Five batteries, in fact. (laughs) Five star-shaped batteries that you can put into your radio in the form of a rating on Apple Podcasts for our podcast. And that will power your connection to the people who have survived the Ice Age, the digital Ice Age. Oof. Get some badger balm on those calves. <laughs> that, <laughs> that, that metaphor got some freezer burn. Oof. Until next week, I am the disoriented reindeer known as Omen Sade. I am the very hungry polar bear named Nick McGill. We are the swirling petticoats in motion, feckless moms. And this is the sunshine that will take you now away from here. Talk tall to me. Ivar, I'm so hungry. Oh, Bjorn, it's been quite a while since we've seen any meat to human treats. My little black nose is starting to get a little bit frigid because I don't have the fat content to keep my... my... um... my metabolism going. You are the skinniest polar bear I've ever seen. I'm barely... I don't even have the round ball shape like I used to have. <laughs> you're, you're all skin and bones. Oh, oh, Bjorn. What is, what why is don't it? we go into this, uh, this, uh, this square cave which is made by Tasty Man and it says, it says it is called Harrods. Oh, you can read? Yeah, because I ate a person who could read and now I gained their skill. Is that how it works? Yes, like Kirby. <laughs> You press down instead of spitting them out. Okay, I can't open the door, but, uh... Okay, now we are in Harrods. Good, good. Ivar, Ivar, yes? Al- allow, yes, Bjorn? allow me a moment of, of fantasy. Okay. What is your favorite part about eating the yummy human treats? Oh, I think it is the buttocks because it is so tender. Oh, it's so fatty. Usually. Yes, lots of fat. And you know I love fat. I can't say no. Ha <laughs> ha. Even when I should. I just love the fat. It's uh, you, you know what I hear from our, our friends over in, in the Americas is they the the human treats are much fattier over there. Oh so much fattier, yeah. One time my cousin sent me some uh, some American buttocks and oh how did that get through customs? I don't know, but it was so good. <laughs> I warmed it up in the microwave. Oh, oh look, is, look there are no that? tasty human treats here, but of look, course. they have ancient human skins that they used to put on because they don't have any hair on their bodies. And they don't have, the, they don't eat the fat. No. They don't what eat do you think of blubber. this one? Does this one look, make me look fierce? Oh, so fierce. Yes, it's, it is a skin called Calvin Klein. That, that is a dumb name. That is dumb. Yes. Name. I will eat it. Is it it good? Is it worth it? Probably not. No. Rayon. Polyester. Disgusting. Yes. Oh, what is Yon. What is it, Eva? If you could eat a human being right now, would you chase it around a little bit or would you just chomp, chomp, chomp? I mean, normally it's the thrill of the hunt, of course. I I, I would much rather... I would much rather bash through the ice and get a seal beneath the ice instead of just walking upon its pup. The the thrill of eating a pup while completely evil, and I love it, is not quite the same. Of course. But I'm I'm pretty hungry right now. I would just chomp, chomp, chomp the human. Yeah, chomp, chomp, maybe save a foot for later, but uh, it's hard to tell. If I can resist, I will save the buttocks for last. Yeah, of course, of course. Do you hear that music? I hear some sound. Is that... Yes, it's delightful. We should approach it quietly. Very cautiously. It sounds like two people talking. We might be able yes. to eat them. Oh, it is coming from this box. This box which is uh, been left on this table here next to this pile of little 
little black spicy things that I don't eat anymore because they're too spicy. Even if there, there are two humans in there talking, they will be far too small for us to eat and enjoy. But we should eat them anyway. We I, could, I should so. eat, this, uh, eat this box. I will do the first chomp to make sure it is safe. Wait a minute. It's not It's not food. It is just, it is just stupid, uh, a non-fatty sound telling us what the... What? I've t I've swallowed it already. Listen to the sounds coming from my belly, Bjorn. Listen closely to what they say. Tactotomy is a proud member of the Feckless Moms audio network. What does that mean? I do not What does know. it mean? You, mu you might be dying, Avar. If you do, can I eat oh, you? I go to... I go to... The great glacier in the sky. I go to the great glacier in the sky. You can eat me if you must. Farewell. Farewell. Farewell, Bjorn. I'm dead. <laughs> well, started out pretty solid. I was I think it was a victim of its own success. Yeah. yeah. The unauthorized biography of the feckless moms, victim of their own yeah. success. Yeah.